Now, we all know that Martin can metabolise a pint in five minutes, but I bet even he wouldn't turn his nose up at getting free beer delivered to his door. Yes, our friends at Beer 52 are offering our listeners a free case of eight unique craft beers. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF and cover the postage of $5.95. Beer 52 is the world's largest beer club. Even Big Mandy is welcome, but not Colin. He's an utter bozo. Each month, members are sent a crate of beer with different themes. Don't like dark beer? Then choose the light option. Comes with a magazine and two snacks, BLT and crumpets not included. Don't be a cockwomble. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF to get this amazing offer. That's www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF. The following podcast contains strong language, like what the actual fuck. This is Charlie, and you're listening to What the Actual Fuck. Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. Daft cow. This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck. Hey, what the actual fuckers, and welcome to WTAF of This Country podcast. It's a very special episode, this episode. Firstly, let me introduce my good friend, Neil. Hello, Neil. Hello, Pav. How are you? Very excited, I must say. How are you? Very excited and hot, <laughs> which is a change oh. for us here in Old Blighty. Isn't that the truth? Um, now, somewhere where I'm sure the sun always shines uh, is over in the good old US of A, and we are delighted to be joined uh, by the person that has all of our hopes and dreams in her fingertips and her hands uh, and her brain. Uh, it's the... Uh, now, I need to find out. The showrunner and the writer of... Uh, welcome to Flatch, which is the US version of this country. Ladies and gentlemen, Jenny Bix. Yay! 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 So Yay! Did, did I did I get your job description right? Is that you did. correct? So yes, I am showrunner and executive producer and writer. Wonderful. Before yes. we before we start about the whole welcome to Flax and uh, Flatch and uh, this country, I I just need to talk to you about the greatest showman, if that's possible. You, of course you may. Because anybody that knows me uh, knows that I absolutely love that movie. And I, even to this day, when I watch it, I still don't quite know why I love the movie, but there is something about it that, and I'm, I'm, I'm the same in all, all of our family. So first of all, I want to say thank you for oh, the movie. Thank you for watching and enjoying it. Um, but, so how did you get involved with that to start with? With showman, well, first of yeah. all, it's like you and every ten-year-old child. I feel like are the people who love Greatest Showman. Uh, so I have to apologize to a lot of parents who have to listen to the soundtrack constantly in the car when they're driving their children. Um, you know, it was it's an interesting story how I got involved. So I wrote on the Oscars the year that Hugh Jackman hosted. So that was um, many moons ago. Now I want to say it was. 
Oh goodness! I mean, it I was think a while. it was two thousand and nine. If your IMDb is correct. Okay, then you, you, <laughs> you know better than me, and you are also younger, so your brain is more live. Oh, I don't um, know about that. Um, so I wrote on that, and the producer Larry Mark, who's a movie producer, uh, afterwards said to me, "Hey, listen, Hugh has always wanted to play Barnum. Um, would you have an interest in writing?" this movie musical and I said um hell yeah 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 I do um Hugh by the way is the most delightful person you could ever ever work with um and I was really intrigued with Barnum I'd actually prior to that like the summer before I was in this old book barn in Maine the state of Maine which is actually where I am now um and I picked up uh Barnum's autobiography out of nowhere and bought it so I actually owned his autobiography prior to getting this request. And I, um, I was really intrigued. So I, I started writing on it. And what you may not know about, well, any movie, but this movie in particular was it took forever to get to the screen because Hugh, as you may or may not know, he's a little popular. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got a couple little movies that he does, like Wolverine. Um, so they kept popping up every year or so, just when we get ready to shoot. And also people were really scared of doing uh, a movie musical because there really hadn't been one for a long time. They didn't know whether it would ever make money. And so depending on who was running um, 20th Century Fox, which is the movie studio where it was made, um, it would kind of get pushed aside for a little bit and then come back and everyone was kind of scared and then it got made. But it got made, I want to say, nine years after I started writing it. So, which is not you know, uncommon in the movie world. Right. But I'm really, really proud of it. And I think. So, were the songs taken from what you'd put in the story then, as opposed to the other way around? Yeah. yeah I mean, I put kind of areas where I thought stories should be. But I started before they had hired Pasek and Paul, who were the um, fantastic writers mm. of the music and composers of the music. Um, and so they used some of that as jumping off points and then came up with other ideas. So it really was a great collaboration. And obviously, you know, the choreography and everything else was just amazing. I mean, it's just mm. really a magical movie. Yeah, I totally agree. It is. It certainly um, is. And again, it's the music just makes it as well because it's it's like you say 10 year olds but i know i i tear up every time i watch the movie and i i know what's coming now i've seen it god knows how many times and it still makes me tear up and i, I love that i mean it is great it's, it's nice that movies can make you feel that way you know because it's it, to me it's a very old-fashioned kind of musical because it you know it's although the songs are very contemporary but i think it just i don't know I, I honestly, it's it's that lightning in a bottle. I think for that movie. Oh yeah, I think yeah. you you get really lucky sometimes, and this was a case where it was like all the right people at all the right time, and it took a while, but it was it was worth it. I can remember the first weekend because the podcast I was listening to was saying, "Oh, the greatest showman has bombed at the box office," mm-hmm. and then it was like. 20 weeks later it was still at the box office <laughs> but it yeah. hadn't done very well at the start but then all of a sudden it just like just kept going and going and going yeah it has one of these weird things like if you look it up i think it like has the worst opening and i don't know it's, it's got it, it, it got both the worst opening and then the best overall growth 
of of like in the top 10 of films um it was word of mouth i think people just started talking about it and hearing about it and wanting to go which i guess is what we should all want right like absolutely you want you want the world to to talk about it and yeah and in a good way and get people to go so we were we were really lucky that way yeah well like i say thank you very much for that awesome. um, well things about talking about things that people talk about this country obviously is well talked about in the uk how did you first become aware of it jenny um you know what happened was paul feig who is our director and my partner on this project his company i believe may have had well they certainly uh if they didn't officially have the rights to it they came to me and said listen we have this show that we think you'd be great at adapting um and paul and i knew paul already um and so i i watched it that night and i literally i called them the next day i was like oh hell yeah i am so in um the show is so good uh it was so it was an easy yes for me to adapt and then having Paul already on as the director made a huge difference. Um, so we went and pitched it to all the networks and they all wanted it, which was great. Um, and it, we ended up at Fox. Right. I, I was going to say, I did put a shout out for some questions from some of our listeners. So I will dot them in, uh, in and about, our little chat as well millie clinton actually asked how did you discover this country so uh there you go we've answered that one for you millie um katie pegram asked what's the u.s version of crumpets having no holes (laughs) (laughs) you know what it is it's duncan munchkins so um, duncan munchkins okay duncan munchkins um it, it is it's a funny thing there are some things that i i mean look charlie and daisy did such an amazing job with with this show that my main goal was just not to uh, can i swear absolutely you carry on okay okay (laughs) (laughs) i shall carry on um my main goal was just not to fuck it up right and um hopefully we haven't um but there were things that were so very specific to them and to the show and to the British version that mm. some of them had exact correlations and some didn't, but I really loved the speech they give at the beginning about how um, they share a box of um, celebrations. Yes. Right. Yeah. Which we don't, we don't have. So um, that became Duncan Munchkins and Duncan Munchkins are a donut without a hole. There you go. There and that, that, that That's in the trailer, isn't it? That little bit. It is. That is I in believe the... it is in the trailer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so how did you, just a quick question from me. Um, how did you work to slowly convert it over to Americanisms and things like that and make it, you know, where did you start? You know, I didn't really start on a micro level. I kind of started on a macro level. Like what was it about the original show that I loved? And to me, it's a, the relationship, but it's like a love affair between cousins to me. Mm. Um, so I wanted to make sure that I kept I kept that at the base of what it was. And then I watched each episode and I actually wrote down the log lines of each episode because there were certain stories I wanted to make sure that we told. And then there were stories that um, we added to. Um, and and so it's not an easy answer, like how I how I went about it. It was more my gut telling me, OK, here's a piece of the show that I can I have to make sure I use somehow. Mm. Mm. Um, 
like that opening. Like when they talk about their friendship in the pilot, yeah. to me, that is such a quintessential description of their relationship. And also, um, and sorry, I'll be using the, we changed the names of the characters. So um, my character's name is Shrub um, as, a, as opposed to Curtin. Yeah. Um, so, so to me, the moment where Curtin slash Shrub says, um, you know, I like the underdog to me, that's, that's exactly who he is. So mm -hmm. that was the kind of thing where I was like, Oh, no matter what that, that moment has to be in there. There were these kind of real moments of truth in the original um, that I wanted to make sure I, I kept. Right. Um, Bailey Stocking asked, lovely name that Bailey. Stocking. And by the way, that's a fantastic name. That's a, that, is, that, that I'm being serious too. Like, I, think I will steal that name now for the show. Just, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, Bailey. Yeah. So the question is, how did you go about casting the more unknown members of the cast? And how did you go about casting the more well-known members of the cast? Yeah, this was like probably one of the most fun things about the show was we knew we didn't want to cast it with people that you immediately said, oh, that's that guy I've seen in these five other shows. Because the whole beauty of this show is it feels like real people. Um, and Daisy and Charlie are the closest thing to kind of real real people right mm -hmm. so we found like chelsea holmes who's our lead female um she was on twitter she was posting she had come from an improv background in chicago and she was posting like little character sketches on twitter and paul's assistant greg actually said one day you really should check this woman out so you know she came that way as did justin linville who plays um mickey and um, Aaron Bowl, who plays Beth, and Sam Straley had done one other TV show, he, who plays Shrub. Um, so we really, we had a, obviously a, a great casting director, but, and they were also kind of scouring all the places you don't expect. Mm. Um, Crystal Smith, who plays Big Mandy, who is, uh, she's going to steal the show. She's amazing. She um, was known for like viral videos. And I right. cast her in one other pilot, but the world hadn't seen her. So it's exciting for us to imagine all of these people that the world hasn't gotten a chance to see yet. Obviously, the world has seen um, Sean William Scott mm. and Aya Cash. But again, a lot of people haven't seen them. People haven't seen Sean. They always associate him with Stifler from American Pie. Yeah. And Aya, if you watched You're the Worst um, or The Boys, you would know who she is. So what's cool about them is they're not like, you know, they're, they're people that you're excited to see do something as opposed to, oh, not this person that is in every sitcom I see every season. So we kind of, we really put our tentacles out there and um, found people in really random ways. Hmm. So when you were writing it, then you've, you've alluded to this swearing. Um, obviously, <laughs> our version of this country has got some great profanity. We love it. How did you get about that? Um, well, we do swear in it. Um, mm. And uh, we specifically chose to go with um, Fox because they understood that that was a really pivotal part of the show, you know? And so we bleep the swears and they allow us to have five swears per episode, which we thought we would have more. So it's been a little difficult. Um, and we have a lot of fights with their standards and practices about what words are actually swear words right. and how much of the mouth has to be blurred when you say certain things. Um, but they do let us do a little bit of swearing, enough swearing that, you know, it still stays true, but not as much swearing, sadly, as the original. 
So what when they say, you know, what words? I mean, what words were were, were there still words you weren't allowed to use? Well, there are words you can, I remember (laughs) having a very specific, and it's kind of, it's so hilarious when you have these conversations because you just want to record the whole thing. But um, I had a whole conversation with them about, we did the episode where, so our vicar is um, a a Unitarian minister and he has a um, curtain slash shrub lies about the fact that he's getting into school hasn't told anybody about it and says, in fact, that he um, has a problem with his ball bag. Right. I was allowed to actually say ball bag. I was really surprised. I was like, Oh, they're never going to learn. But she said, you can't use the word ball bag more than once, but you could say scrotum. Like there were a lot of, there's a lot of give and take in these with these people in standards and practices. So um, I could say ball bag, but I couldn't say it more than once. I think I could say bag more than once, but not ball more than once, which seems fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it is fair. But what I I'm alluding to, just quickly, obviously one of the most, and we've named our podcast after it, um, one of the uses of what the actual fuck has become synonymous with this country. Were you able to use like that sort of yeah. wording? Yeah. I mean, we can say that. It just sounds like what the beep. Right. Right. Um, right. But I wanted to make sure that the characters were still saying the things that they were allowed to say. But in network television in America, you you can't say you you can't say Jesus. You can't say um, you you can't say um, you can say damn, but you can't say God damn it. So there's right. certain things like you have to weigh. Um, you certainly can't say what the actual fuck. So is is cockwomble off the table as well? Then is it? Sadly, it's oh dear. Oh, nothing's, right. off the, nothing's off the table. It just gets bleeped. Bleep. Right. Okay. So you can imagine what they're saying, but you can't actually um, hear hear right. those words. So does that does that put a bit of a limit on when you're writing, or do you just not think about that? You worry about that afterwards. You just write as you would normally write, and not think about well, we're only allowed five swears here, so let's not. Or do, or do you does that come into your head when you are writing? No, um, no, we just write it the way um, I say we because I actually have um, I have a group of writers that wrote the show with me. So different people were at different episodes. But no, we just write it the way we want to. And then we figure out, you know, what are the what are the swear words we can't live without? And then can, is there a word we can change a little bit and get the same essence of it? Um, but once you start to police yourself that way, then the characters start to suffer. And that's... Mm. That's not something we're interested in. Yeah, yeah. Um, right, Matthew Vernon uh, said, I'm looking forward to it. Does she consider, as does, does Jenny consider, it as taking place in the original This Country universe, hence opening the door for crossovers, or does she consider this series its own thing? Um, well, I mean, it's, it's its own thing, meaning it's in this town in Ohio, but I do want, and I won't say anything more than this, but I've told Daisy and Charlie this, that they're, they're going to, they will be playing a role in an upcoming episode as themselves, not as Daisy and Charlie, as, as, um, Carrie her, yes, exactly. Um, so there is opportunity for crossover, um, but not necessarily the way you'd expect. Right. That's what I'll say. 
Wow, look at that. Interesting. Look at that. I feel like it's it's almost like an exclusive there. <laughs> Dad, you're getting all the exclusives. You're getting it oh, right here, right now. Oh, Let's do it. Well, absolutely. I've got another question then. So was it always welcome to Flatch or did you start as this country and then move? Right. And this is the, this is going to be the bane of my existence, because now I'm sure you're seeing people are like, this show looks just like they're ripping off this country. I'm like, oh, it is this country. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not want to change the name. It was this country. Um, and Paul and I really wanted to keep it that because it has such a great brand equity. And also, I just love, you know, that sense of kind of the uppityness of a documentary, the sound of it being this very important documentary about this whole country. And in fact, it's just about these two cousins. Mm. Um, Fox felt that um, it, and, and, you know, I, I don't want to speak for them, but they felt that it was a, a slightly confusing title for us in America because it sounded like we were talking about the whole country of America. And then also maybe we were talking about, because we're so politically confused right now, it carries more burden, I think, than in other countries. And I Mm. I respect that. Mm. Uh, So we ended up with Welcome to Flash. Um, But I think it will, it will be a constant fight for us to explain that in fact it is the same the same show yeah i I totally get that whenever i'm doing uh something on twitter and i put hashtag this country there will be times where that'll be misconstrued as a it's a political tweet and and if you put in hashtag this country the amount of times you will get a political tweet rather than something about the show is i totally understand how that can that can be misconstrued that way. Yeah, it's conf- it, it can be a, slightly more confusing. Um, so that's how we ended up there. Yeah. And, you know, what I kind of love, which I don't, I'm sure Fox didn't realize when they said, yes, let's go with that, is that it's WTF, Welcome to Flash, which I, I kind oh, of Oh, yeah, I didn't even realize that. Yep. Oh, my so God. there you go. Hashtag WTF. <laughs> so now it's almost got a, you know. It's mm. just nice it's wearing like, anyway. It's like all all joined, isn't it? That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, right, Greg Gethard said, "Why the Columbus Crew jersey? Would it be more accurate for the woman character to be wearing a NASCAR or college football or hockey jersey?" Oh God, no! Because Carrie loved loved soccer, and that was really important. Like we thought that was awesome, and also really oddly like in america soccer isn't football football soccer we call yeah. soccer yeah um i'm sorry it's not like you don't know that um <laughs> <laughs> we don't drink tea we drink more coffee um that's right <laughs> we we loved that she liked a sport that wasn't that big a deal and that she had this team that she was really really dedicated to that no one else really knew about or cared about like that's way more fun to me than if it were um a football team or a baseball team or something Mm. like that that's just like kerry's swindon time that's exactly how people feel about swindon time they don't care or they don't know who he is so that's that's absolutely perfect and the columbus crew was excited that we were you know i don't think they get a lot of people wanting to wear their merch on national tv and um yeah and it works perfectly you have to ask permission to do that or you just wear it and then they they enjoy it that you're wearing no, it. No, we have no, it's a big process. You have to ask permission and make sure that they're okay with it because they own the the trademark, the copyright to their to their logo and everything else. So we were really lucky that they said yes. 
Brilliant. Okay. Um, right. This one's, uh, uh, if you can bear with me on this one, this one's a little bit longer. So, uh, Hayley Paget said, uh, I would like to know how the show translates to be relevant for American audiences. A lot of the stories were based around real life growing up in the Cotswolds. This is the original. Uh, from scarecrow competitions through to having your house plumbed. Uh, would any of the stories be based around growing up in poverty in America? The other thing is the Cotswolds is famously known for being well off to do posh area and not necessarily known for poverty. There are certain areas in the Cotswolds that are known for that. Uh, but in that, you've got some level of inclusivity where everyone knows everyone. Will those politics and socioeconomics be reflected as there is a lot of humour in the closeness of class? That is a very well phrased question. Um, thank you, Haley. Thank you, Haley. <laughs> thank you, Haley. Um, you know, for me, the reason I, um, besides the characters that that Daisy and Charlie created, the thing that I loved about the show was the idea of a small town, because community. I, I whatever I write, I, I I am always ultimately writing about community, and so I wanted to write about a small town in America. And a town that had been down on its economic luck, like a lot of our Midwestern towns have. So that's why it's in Ohio, which is um, a state that has lots of economic diversity, but ultimately this, the town that we're in, the made up town of Flash, has seen better times. And, and it's funny that she uses the word poverty, because what I kind of love about the original and I wanted to continue with us is I, as much as we know that that these are characters that aren't living in a wealthy way at all. They would never say they're living in poverty. And that's what I actually think is kind of awesome is they always have this sense that there's a more positive thing down the road. Mm -hmm. They're going to solve this with a new get rich quick scheme. They're going to, you know, I think in my show and in the original, I think Kurt and Antra both want to get out and find a, a bigger world. Um, so for me, it, it was less about the economics as it was about community, if that makes sense, that I wanted it to be about how ultimately um, you can live in a small town and hate everybody, but when the chips are down, everyone kind of takes care of each other, you know, mm. um, that even though they hate Len, you know, and they say it, they hate everybody, actually, which I kind mm. of really appreciate. There are very few people they like. Um when the chips are down, you're a small town, so you have to get along. Yeah. And yeah. and I think for us in America, it's a message that we've lost. So that was something really important to me to get out there was, you know, you got to work together. It doesn't really matter what politically you believe. It, mm. You know, we're all dependent on each other, whether you hate each other or not. Mm. Um, so that's how it translated for me was, and I was aware that what I knew about the Cotswolds before the show was that it was like kind of a fancy area um so i was surprised that it was also contained this other world which i liked and this certainly um has i've created a town their kind of rival town pockton which is a richer town and but just by a little but Mm. pockton thinks they're way better than flatch and i think there always is that town that's like just a little bigger a little shinier and um i do have that in the show right we don't talk about politics we talk about community right Mm. so um when we spoke to daisy and charlie the last time uh, just before series three came out i think they mentioned that did was it yourself and paul came over to siren sester 
Yeah. Uh, and it was at the King's Head, I believe, that you went. Yep. Uh, yeah. So what did you in? I'm assuming you didn't spend much time uh, in Ireland because this is where we live as well. We live in Cirencester as well. Um, what did you think of our little town? I like how you were like, I assume you didn't spend a lot of time there. Well, I just uh, <laughs> parenthetically, because obviously you would have come to see us. Well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking because you were both like big Hollywood, like big oh, wigs yeah. that, that, that they big. that they like bungee jumped you in and then they bungee jumped you back <laughs> out again just so you didn't have to spend time with us. You know, it's like I really I, it was such a weird time. Like, first of all, we had so much fun. Um, but it was so odd because I had been in Ireland for a wedding and this came up kind of at the last minute in terms of everyone being free to meet. And they're like, okay, you're going to fly over and, and get in a car at the airport. And we're going to drive you to this pub where we sat downstairs. It was just all so kind of surreal. And also I was so excited to meet them right? that I really, I didn't know what to do. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, it's Daisy and Charlie. I can't believe it. I'm finally getting to tell them how much I adore their show and them. Um, but we, we sat for about two hours and we talked about like the most random things. Like Daisy and I are both obsessed with ghosts. So we were talking all about ghost stories and like all the ghosts that we think we've seen, even though of course we've never actually seen them. And that actually became a story um, that I did uh, in, in our version uh, they they have ghosts in one of the houses and they do a seance. Um, and we just generally talked about what mattered to us in terms of keeping true to what they had. And um, Paul was there. Dress- if you've seen a picture of Paul Feig, it is how he really dresses. So he, of course, was there in his three-piece suit. I don't know what the hell I was wearing, something awful from the flight. So he, you know, I probably look like a bag woman and he looked like um, the King of England. Um, but yeah. we had a terrific time and um, it, it just felt very right. You know, mm. it felt like we were all on the same page and, and we all really liked each other. It's just the thought of Paul Feig dressed in his three-piece suit walking around the marketplace. It's just something <laughs> in my mind. It's just so surreal. But if I'd have been I walking there and think, if you'd have walked past him, I thought, no, that couldn't have been Paul Feig. No, there's no way that would have been Paul Feig. Just right. that vision in my mind is just fantastic. Well, try putting him in. We, we shot this in a very small town, a couple small towns in North Carolina. And he would also be, you know, dressed like that. And it was exactly the same thing. Like, people would be like, who is... They, I think they probably thought he was in costume, right. you know, like, who is this guy walking around looking like he's a haberdasher? <laughs> <laughs> you know? He'd have a bowler hat on, sometimes he'd have his walking stick. Um, but yes, it was hilarious to be, and we were in the basement for whatever reason at that point. I'm sure they wanted to like keep us all secret or something like that. So we mm. were kind of sequestered underneath and, um, we had a blast. We had an absolute blast. And it's, that was, my God, I think that was two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy, yeah. crazy isn't it? How time was flowing. I tell you, well, I think COVID kind of took a lot of our time away. Right. Mm. So everything is a little like, what day is it? What year is it? Absolutely. So um, with the, are this country series of six episodes, how many episodes will there be in yours? Well, I shot, we shot 14 episodes currently so that'll be the first season and then it'll air um they haven't given us an exact date but they're they call it mid-season so it'll be january february and then we'll know after that whether we get to make more um 
but we also that's the other thing that you may notice a difference in our um, <clears throat> in our show is that we I think American TV in general populates shows more and this and they speed them up a little bit we really didn't want to do that with this show because so much what's so great about the original is the silences mm. like I think more is said <clears throat> in the silences and the looks than in the dialogue so we had to fight very hard to make sure we didn't naturally speed things up or keep put too many characters in. Um, but Fox did want to kind of populate the town more. So you'll also meet more characters along the way, even though mm. ultimately this is always a show about these two. Um, you will meet other people. We still keep her mom upstairs. So and um, and Chelsea did her voice. All oh, right, just like Daisy did. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you meet, you know, one or two relatives. I really wanted, I wanted to do Uncle Nugget um, the first season. And <laughs> we had so many stories to tell. I mean, I talk about Uncle Nugget, but you don't meet Uncle Nugget until right. you'll meet him season two. Because that right. episode to Ooh. me, I mean, Oven Space, like to me, that that episode is so perfectly the, their show. It's yeah. so small and specific and nothing really happens, but you learn so much about them, mm. you know. Yeah. I think that would be up there with my favorite episode still. Other yeah. Space. <clears throat> yeah. So when it comes to the, um, the one thing that we, we've found when we've been talking, we've done a few episodes where we're thinking what the show's, you know, the US show's going to be. And the natural thing that always seems to come is the US versus UK debate of when US remake UK tv shows um and the fact that the the strike rate isn't particularly good but when they but when the u.s get it right they get it right in my opinion they really get it right like the office that's the 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 natural and obviously with paul feig being involved i think he's directed some of the best episodes of the u.s office in my opinion yeah absolutely um was that a hit was that something that you had in your mind from the very start of taking on the project of this country Yeah, I I mean, nobody wants to be the one who messes up a fantastic, brilliant little gem. Like you just, it's not worth doing unless you can do it as well as you can and do justice to it. So it was really important. And I think ultimately Paul and I said this to each other after we had cast it, but I think we were both thinking, even as we were casting it, if we don't find the perfect actors to play these two, we should not do this show. And we wouldn't Mm. have done it because- it really comes down to them, to those two. Um, and yeah, I, I think, yeah, I mean, we've all seen the shows that don't get done well. And and there will be people who will say, why are you remaking? And it's not a remake. Why are you adapting a terrific show that people can try to watch? It's hard to watch actually here in America. It's not the easiest show to be able to watch. Um, so I'm aware that there will be the criticism that you should just go and watch the original show and you should i mean mm. people should go watch that right now i'm sure mm. anyone listening to this podcast already is so i'm i'm preaching to the converted mm. but yeah it's a fear and i think going in we knew we had to make it almost bulletproof to make it feel like it was worth worth doing and staying as true i watched their episodes so many times to make sure that i was kind of tonally staying really as true as I could to what to what they did yeah it's weird because when we when the trailer came out and we were sharing the trailer on our socials and you would start getting people's comments and and 
I engage, it's very dangerous to engage with people on social media. It just is because, you know, all of a sudden then you're in like an argument or whatever it is. And the amount of people that didn't even look at the trailer and then started saying, this is going to be rubbish. This right. is going and, and I kept saying to people, you've got to give it a chance. Are this country, if you want to call it that, the UK version is still there. It's always going to be there. Whatever happens anywhere else isn't going to affect that. It's still there. We still love it. It's always going to be there. But you've got to get, you can't just look at something for even like 10 seconds and say, well, this is going to be rubbish. You've got to give it a chance. And I must admit, I was, I was, I watched the trailer and I actually went, this is going to be, this is going to, I'm not liking it because I've got a This Country podcast. This is genuinely going to be, I'm intrigued, first of all, um, because of uh, Sean William Scott. I just want to see what a hunky vicar is going to do, as opposed to our <laughs> lovely, cute, right. cuddly, cuddly vicar. You know, the things that, although obviously, ball bags are the same for some reason <laughs> apparently across all countries ball bags are the same i'm never going to be a vicar i just don't want to have trouble with my ball bag just... <laughs> Turned hard like a stone yeah but but with all with all of the the, the, the to and fro in on twitter and that do you do you look at that or do you tend to sort of put that away so you don't want to know about it I mean, it's, I'm, I don't want to know about it right now. I mean, I'm aware of it because you, know, you, you, you try not to, and then it shows up anyway. Um, but. And I apologize I, to bring it up. I don't want to bring it up. No, to make no, you, no, 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 no. But... I think this is like kind of the elephant in the room. And I think it's really important to, to get it out, you know, let it out, let it all out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think we're going to keep hearing it. I mean, the, you know, the same thing happened with this, even with like with Sex in the City, um, which I which I wrote on for all six seasons. Um, there were years where people would say, that's enough. Stop doing more Sex in the Cities. These ladies are getting too old. What are you doing? You know, there's always going to be people who want to find something wrong before it's happened. Yeah. Um, and certainly they're doing it with our we're, we're doing a new Sex in the City now um, that's um, a, like a it's a it's them now, right? It's not a redo or anything like that. Um, and people don't want to know. People are angry because you fall in love with characters and you want them to be treated well. And I, mm. I appreciate that. I feel the same way when I watch things. And I get angry when I see that people are rebooting or redoing a show that doesn't have to be redone. So I, I'm with them. I mean, I guess the answer is give us a chance. And, yeah. you know, if... And I think it will be hard probably for people, especially at the beginning, because you're so used to the characters you've been watching. And so you're going to watch an actor take a piece of material and they'll, they're going to put their own spin on it. And it may not be the same spin, but maybe you'll enjoy them. Mm. Maybe you'll see something. And there are a lot of new characters. So there might be new characters that you decide, oh, that's funny. Sean, his, his character of the vic vicar slash minister slash father, um, is very different from the vicar, the original vicar. Um, his is much more, um, he's goofier. I mean, there were things that Sean felt really comfortable in his skin being, and he's that, our character's slightly like, yeah, goofier, less good at his job, like trying to figure it out a lot more, I think, than the original vicar. That's just a, for instance, like how an actor takes something and um, and he's, he's quite comfortable with physical comedy. So we have yeah. him do like more physical comedy and we gave him a different kind of backstory. I mean, we, I used the, I loved the idea that there was a boy band. 
he was in a Christian boy band. Yeah. And so we actually introduced the Christian boy band in their video. And um, I wrote the music for the song that they perform. And so that was a lot of fun too, but give it a chance. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'm sure you'll let me know. That's the thing. I can can remember. I can remember the, when they, they showed the first couple of clips of the very first series of This Country and everybody, not everybody, but people were saying, I'm not watching that because it's a ripoff of The Office. They've even mm. got a guy that looks like Gareth from The Office with the floppy hair and a Bristol accent. Right. So straight away with that, you know, and then those people were probably the same people that ended up falling in love with This Country. So it it doesn't people are going to hate people aren't going to hate it, you just got like i say i agree with you give it a chance give it a chance if you if you hate it here's the beautiful thing you don't have to watch it <laughs> exactly exactly can you watch it you know exactly and I'm i excited i to introduce it to the world yeah, to the, the american a- I've said a million times that I prefer, and this is probably sacrilege, and I've said it before, but I love the U.S. office more than the British office. I'm with you on that path. Yeah, because you had more time with the characters. You could Mm. fall in love more with the characters. Michael Scott was somebody that you could fall in love with, not hate like David Brent. And I think because you've got more characters, it means you've the universe is bigger. Um, And although you haven't, I suppose you whether you've said that it's in the same. universe as this country that 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 opens up a whole new vision of what our this country could end up being do you know what i mean it's sort of like there's brand new characters in our universe as well so it could be a massive gift you know and that's the thing i think i'm intrigued by and looking forward to is the fact that you can end up falling in love with all of the characters because we all love big mandy and we all love len but they're not in every episode and they're only in maybe a minute of one episode, you know, in certain episodes. So that's the thing I think I'm looking forward to is like falling in love with a new lot of characters. Right. That's a cool way of thinking about it. I think, cause I think you will. I think there are some, some of these actors who bring such an amazing spin to these characters that you know how it is. You stop thinking as much about that original show and you start to watch this as its own animal. Yeah. But you know, nothing's ever going to replace this country. I mean, that's mm-hmm. it's an amazing award-winning show and deserves to be. This is um, an homage. Yeah. Um, I, okay. I've got one quick question. Yep. Talking of characters, I must ask, how much of a shit house is your version of Martin? <laughs> okay, that's a really good question. Um, he's he's pretty shitty. I mean, what I, what I really identified with, you know, in addition to this being kind of a real relationship story between these cousins, to me, um, Mike Kelly slash Carrie's relationship with her dad is so heart-wrenching and so um, it's her drive through Mm. the series is to get him to love her. And that is so, um, that's such a an identifiable thing, I think, for everybody, whether that you're a daughter or son or whatever, to have the your parent love you. And he's an asshole. Mm-hmm. He's a narcissistic asshole. And so we 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 kept him very much that way. Um, and we did do the episode where they're playing, you know, to me, the flight, the uh, flight game episode mm-hmm. where they're in his trailer so uh heart-wrenching 
you know, mm. she thinks, oh, I'm finally going to get to spend time with him. And they play this ridiculously cheap game and um, it doesn't change anything. So mm. he's pretty bad. He doesn't really come around. Sounds awful, but good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Oh, he's a shithead. And, yeah. you, you know, at, at the I don't want to give too much away, but no, I, no. I would say by the end of the 14 episodes of the first of my first season, um she maybe comes to a slightly different understanding of who he is, but he's never going to, he's not somebody who suddenly is going to be like, I love you. Mm. You're my, you know, that's not, that's kind of what I love about what they did. What Daisy and Charlie did is like, people don't really change. Right. No, no. Um, They just show you different parts of themselves that were there, but I don't think there's suddenly some existential change. These are small stories played for big stakes. Yeah. I can't wait to see them. Because yeah. because the, the weird thing is, and the one thing that I'm another thing that I'm interested in is that we saw it, myself and Neil saw it through the eyes that we know their dad. You know, we know Paul. And he's one of the nicest guys you could ever meet. So when you see him on TV playing that, it's a bit sort of like, well, he's we know he's not like that in real life. So to see now Kerry or Kelly's dad as somebody that we don't know and seeing it through that view, I think is going to be a lot different. Mm. It's a lot more of a different um, experience, right. I think. Right, right. No, this is going to be a cleaner. You can hate him probably more easily. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Although Mar- course- Martin is a shit house. I mean, he just is. He's just yeah. a, a horrible person. Horrible. Just yeah. completely. Uh, I mean, every every time you think it's going to work out, it never does because he's never. You know. Now I haven't gotten into you know later uh, later seasons for you all had him. You know, he's a criminal. Yeah. Uh, and we don't deal with that in the first season here, um, but I wouldn't put it past him. I mean, he's he's going to do whatever he needs to do for himself. Yeah, and that's yeah. That, that is he still called Martin in yours, or is he got a different name? No, he's called Bobby only because Martin. There's certain names that we just don't have that often, um, and Martin is one of those names where in America it would be like a slightly slightly older guy than his age. Right, right. Okay. So that, that's the only reason. Okay. Uh, one more question from uh, our listeners, uh, Kane and Harrison. It's a little bit from what we have been speaking about, but um, after the failure of the US remake of In Between Us, Skins and Life on Mars and the success of The Office, how will you ensure that the US remake of this country adapts to life of living in a US town with jokes relatable to US audiences whilst keeping the characters as close as possible to their UK counterparts? That's well, a, I mean, that's a. That, you, that, can you say that in more than like forty words? That'd be great. Right. I, mean, that's... I, I don't think it's possible for. I mean, it, it's all I can do, and all I hope I did was take these characters that I think are amazing, and give them the knowledge I have of what it would be in America for them to be in the situations they're in. Mm. Um, so there may be things that a British audience, when they watch it, goes, oh, no, that's not at all the same. You messed that up. I, I hope that's not true. Um, but for instance, like we have Scarecrow Festivals, like that was terrific. So I got to do that. But I added to it something we do, which is a skillet toss. Right. Okay? So you, like literally throw a skillet mm. um, and see how far you can throw it. So there were there weren't that many instances where I was like, oh, I don't really know. I mean, I love the plumbing of the house. Um, and I actually wrote it into the pilot and then I had to take it out. But that was something people like they were confused by. Why is someone throwing plums at house? I was like, that's what because that's what they do. Yeah. <laughs> Kids do. Yeah. Uh, 
so occasionally there'll be something that I, I think there's more universality to your show than people think. Right. I mean, I honestly, I think the relationships and the situations are universal. And I tried to find whenever I could instances where it, be, it was, I could plug in an American example of that. Um, but I can't insure it. I, I, I have not signed a guarantee. Um, so to answer your um, listener's question, they may feel that I in fact haven't always done that um, as well as I could have, but I, the reason I wanted to do this to begin with was because I think it's a universal show and they're universal relationships. And I, mm. I felt I could do that. Mm. I understood how to do that. Yeah. I, I really am looking forward to watching this. Now. I, really, I know. I, I, don't suppose, I don't suppose you know when it's going to be available in the, would it be available in the UK at the same time or? That I don't know. I think you'd have to tell me whether you get American. You know what? I bet you it might be. I mean, I'm just old enough that I don't understand how all of these mega corporations keep bonding with each other. Like, like you wake up and like your mail is being delivered by CBS. I mean, you know, it's like, I don't, I don't understand anymore what's happening, but Fox is owned by Disney now, isn't it? So it's a sort of thing that would end up on Disney plus. I don't know. It could. Um, And it could just as well end up on a streaming service that Fox could own that we don't even know yet will be owned by then. You know what I mean? So I, I'll tell you what, my promise to you is as soon as I know, I'll let you know. That'd be um, wonderful. Fantastic. It, it will air in America on Fox broadcast. Right. On FBC. Um, yeah, which is on most, almost all TV systems here. Right. And, and would that in turn then mean that they, that someone would pick up this country, the British version to show on the screens as well, or? Oh, that would be so great. I mean, I think that. So it used to be on Hulu, I think, didn't it? I think. It was on Hulu. And I think. That, that those deals get made separately. I mean, oh, right. it would be part of our deal. It would be part of the BBC. Mm. Um, but I, I wish they would. And I'm sure that if our show has a modicum of success, there will be just the same way everyone went back and watched the original Office once the Office here started to do okay. Um, I think the same thing I hope would happen with this and more people could see Daisy and Charlie. Yeah. Couple more questions and then we'll let you go. Um, how how involved were Daisy and Charlie in in the production? Did they put give you any other ideas apart from obviously the original scripts? Um, they, I mean, I I talked to them. They read all the scripts as they came in, and so I knew that they were blessing them as they came through. And they were like nothing but incredibly supportive. I have to say, I think it would be very hard to watch somebody take your baby and you know possibly put it into a meat grinder so i think they they were really uh supportive so so they they got everything their executive producers on the show and they have input whenever they want it they've been great about kind of allowing us to do our thing um while making sure that if you know we had questions we were able to to talk to them wonderful final question um there was rumors that it was going to be a greatest showman too. Is that, is that, tr- is that true? <laughs> I love that it comes back to that. So uh, it's a book, bookend, isn't it? I thought we'd bookend it. Why does no one ask about a second, what a girl wants, which was the first movie I ever wrote. That is um, true. Yeah. That's so well. Um, you can do what a boy wants. <laughs> yeah. Oh, everyone knows what boys want, <laughs> um, which is to not have a ball bag turn hard to stone. That's exactly. true. Yeah. everyone hopes and prays that <laughs> <laughs> um 
you know, there, there's what will sooner probably happen is possibly a stage version, like oh. a, you know, a Broadway or off Broadway kind of version of it, which would be terrific too. Um, I don't know if there's a, a movie in the works right now, but I don't think so. I think it's more focused on, on a stage version. Right. Makes perfect but sense, you never know. doesn't it? Well, you, never well, know. Know. you don't. La- ladies and gents, that was the moment you waited for. There you go. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jenny, you... thank you. No, go on. No, you obviously are a fan, and I like that. I I applaud you. I love. Can I just tell you, Jenny? He even sings it when he sings at the weekend. I do some of those songs. I I do. I do. There there is nothing better than belting out the greatest showman first song to a crowd that love it. It is just a fantastic song to sing. But uh, I I I wish and hope that your your listeners someday get to see your background because what I'm seeing. (laughs) listeners is not someone who necessarily would be a greatest showman fan i'm seeing a lot i'm seeing lights flashing i'm seeing um i'm seeing a, a stormtrooper helmet there's a lot happening behind there's a, you there. yeah there's a lot more going on there's a that, few more helmets. Our little shed studio yeah oh, wow. and it's it's all four walls as well jenny it's everywhere <laughs> seriously so, honestly there's so much crap i've even got this which is what um i don't know if the camera will be able to pick it up but this is what daisy's and charlie's mum drew for us oh gosh she's talented oh yes, you can get you she... can get her stuff on ebay it is amazing these one-off works of art that's all with the kerry and curtain it is fantastic stuff oh that's awesome yeah yeah oh, so you. yeah we've got so much crap all over the walls it's unbelievable but it this is where seem... yeah pre-covid this was where we used to do our interviews but obviously um Daisy That's and Charlie have sat in there themselves. We've had them here. We've had uh, Paul Cooper and Martin Mucklow sat on the damp patch on the corner in the corner. Oh, the you made them sit in the wet spot. Well, well da- uh, Daisy and Charlie, Martin. yeah, Daisy yeah. and Charlie had the the chairs, and we only had four chairs in here, so we had to sit on the floor, and it had been raining. <laughs> oh, I really look forward to the day where we can all be in one space again. Wouldn't that be nice? I mean, I, be here's awesome. something. Here's something interesting. So, with my writer's room we were all virtual. So it was just like, you know, sitting on a zoom, staring at each other. And I hired some of these writers without having ever met them physically. So I did not even know what they looked like from the waist down. Right. And one day I learned that one of my female writers was six feet tall. And I was like, Oh, are you you (laughs) kidding me? This is like very important for me to know. So I look forward to maybe someday we will all be sitting there. Paul, in fact, is in the Ireland. London area. Oh, is he in London now? I noticed on Instagram he's been in Ireland. He's been shooting a movie in Ireland and yeah. he's back and forth to London. So perhaps you can get him to sit in the wet spot. Well, yeah, I mean, I definitely ask. I would feel he's the one person with what he wears that shouldn't sit in a wet spot. <laughs> you know? or, or should he? Because it yeah. could be quite funny. No, no <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do that to him. He would also, and this is why he's such a delight, he would be the first one to sit in the wet spot. <laughs> yeah. I think it was funny. Because you'd be like, look at look at me, I'm in the wet spot. <laughs> so I, uh, I someday I hope we will all be um, in that room together celebrating um, the Emmys. Know, what is an amazing show, and hopefully a, a show that can do it some justice. 
Absolutely. I'm sure it will. I'm sure it Absolutely. will. Absolutely. And we'll Jenny... have to uh, buy you a pint in the keepers one day. Yes. Oh, I'm in. <laughs> you are it. You're absolutely oh welcome. God. We'll do that. We'll do and we'll all wear three piece suits and uh, and... <laughs> and bowler hats. Yes, exactly, exactly. Jenny, thank you so much for spending some time with us. It's been so great to real, be real fun. pleasure. Uh, Neil. Thank you very much, Neil. It's been nice to uh, see you again. Thank you very much, Pav. Always Uh, a pleasure. Yeah, thank you very much, everybody. And uh, take care and go and get plumbed, you fuckers. (laughs) Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. (laughs) Daft cow. This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck? Hi, I'm Pav. I'm Neil. We're here to tell you about our new exciting project, the Top 10 of Anything podcast. Phenomenal. That's right, Neil. We grab a guest or two, pick a subject, then bring our own Top 10s to the pod. Yes. It could be Top 10 scary movies, Top 10 swear words, Top 10 breakfast foods, anything. Oh, you saucy devil. Indeed, Neil. Our first episode will be online very soon, so subscribe on all your usual podcast platforms so you don't miss it. Yes. The Top 10 of Anything podcast. Let's begin the countdown. Phenomenal.